This afternoon, we're going to conclude the series, New Beginnings. Everyone say, aw. It's over already? <laughs> Feels like we just got started. But we know that God's going to speak to us today. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. Genesis 8, verse 22, reading from the New Living Translation. Word of the Lord says this, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest. Everyone say harvest. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Now, the next chapter, chapter 9 and verse 20, it reads, After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. With the help of the Holy Ghost, my topic today is produce a harvest. And I would like to invite all of you to pray with me one more time. I know we worship. I know we've been lifting our hands and our voices, but we're going to pray one more time and just ask God to speak to us. Father, we come before you today. We thank you, Lord, for, for pouring out your spirit today, your blessings. We feel your presence so strongly, tangibly in this place, God. And we ask, God, that that same spirit continue, Lord, as we prepare ourselves to hear your word. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I take authority over every contrary spirit to the Spirit of God that would oppose the Word from getting into the places it needs to go in all of our hearts. God, I come against that right now, and I mind it in Jesus' name. And I loose, God, faith in this place right now for your Word to be received with gladness. Let it fall on good ground. We ask this right now, God, in Jesus' name. And also, God, anoint my lips to preach today's word to give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. You may be seated in God's presence. You know, up to this point in Noah's story, he has spent most of his natural life in survival mode. 120 years preparing for the flood, to survive the flood, and then another full year of <clears throat> living through it. So it's safe to say that up until this moment, his whole life revolved around a singular goal of surviving one of the world's most cataclysmic events, a historic event. And he was both literally and spiritually just trying to keep his head above water. It was, for most of his life, sink or swim. And while that frame of mind was necessary for survival, it also put Noah's life and his family's life on hold. Plans were paused. Goals were postponed. The only thing that mattered was living to see another day. But if Noah was going to live a life of promise, a life of new beginnings, his mode of living would need to adapt from surviving to thriving, from escaping peril to establishing a new home. And this was an important transition in Noah's life, a necessary one, one that I think that us Christians, Bible readers, perhaps don't stop to consider when we are reading through his narrative. 
that very literal and spiritual shift that had to occur in his life in order to produce at the level that he was called to. You see, when you're in survival mode, you're just trying to keep your head above water. You're just trying to get through each day without sinking. I don't know if you've ever been there before. <laughs> Somebody say amen, huh? You're just trying to get through a day. Have you ever had a, a season in your life where if I could just make it another 24 hours, it would be a success? Huh? Without sinking into fear, caving to your worries, losing your grip on things, or just backtracking into old issues. If I could just get through a 24 hours without snapping at somebody. You all don't know what I'm talking about today. 24 hours without the old Jacob showing up, you know, just. And you go through moments where you're just in survival mode. If I could just get through this week and, and, and have all my bills be paid and not have to worry you know there might be bills down the road, but if I could just get through this week, let next week worry about itself. You're just, you know, trying to stay ahead and keep your head above waters. And there are moments like that, and for many years in Noah's life, that's what it was, daily survival. But when God brings you out of your trial, out of your flood, you have to switch gears and start taking back your future. Taking back your promises. No longer living from day to day just to make it. No longer living from paycheck to paycheck. No longer living just to not sink. But now you get to a point where God has brought you out of that season. And it's up to you to implement and to practice the principles of faith so that you can launch forward into greater things. How many of you want to see greater things from God? Amen? Greater things where you can start building again, growing again, thriving again. And you need to, as Noah did, plant your vineyard. Because let me tell you this, nothing in life grows unless it's planted. Amen? Nothing in life grows unless it's planted. And I want to build on that point today. This is a universal law, the law of the harvest. We read in Galatians 6 and verse 7, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. That's the law of the harvest. Nothing grows unless it's planted. What often happens is that after people survive something that is stressful, unusual, something difficult, what happens is, is that they stay in survival mode without realizing it. And the telltale sign of this survival syndrome, if I can call it that, is that nothing new is being planted. You know you're in survival mode where nothing new is being planted and therefore nothing new is growing. 
After Noah landed on dry ground, the first thing he did was build an altar. Praise God. And I preached on that last Sunday. Then the Lord told him to be fruitful and multiply. He said to fill the earth, Genesis 1.9. And upon hearing these words, it was like a shift took place. It was a, a signal to Noah that now it's time to get out of survival mode and to get into thriving mode. And he heard something in that moment that switched everything for him. Now he realizes I've got to produce a harvest. I can't live the way that I was living anymore. Because how are you going to support a growing world without cultivating the land? God told him, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to fill the earth, repopulate the earth. And the very real question is, if we do that, how are we going to feed all of these mouths? We better plant a, we better plant a vineyard. We better start cultivating the ground if we're going to sustain the growth that God is calling us to have. It's important to note that Noah was fruitful in a variety of areas, in a variety of realms, different realms in life. In the spiritual realm, he was fruitful because he built his altar. In the relational realm, when he grew his family. In the financial realm, with the planting of his vineyard. And in, and in Noah, we get a picture of what balance looks like, healthy balance in the life of a believer, uh, fruitfulness in all aspects of our life. I want you to understand today, church, that God wants us to be fruitful in all aspects of our lives. Amen, somebody. And this is what fruitfulness looks like. You see, people tend to gravitate towards one realm or the other. Their spiritual fruit might be very plump and, and, and very, you know, prosperous, but but their relational fruit is, is, is not there. They don't have a relational harvest. Or they're producing high-yielding financial or relational fruit, but not spiritual fruit. But I believe that God wants us to thrive in every dimension, in every uh, sphere, every realm of life. Fruitfulness is the will of God for every believer. If you believe that, say amen today. Come on, let's give God a hand praise. Amen. He wants you to be fruitful in all aspects. He doesn't want this imbalancing occurring in our life where we're really spiritual and fruitful over here, but yet we're not fruitful in, in, in our finances are fruitful in our relationship. God wants to see balance and even growth throughout our lives. And when we look at Noah's life, we see, for the most part, balance and even growth throughout his life and journey with God. So if you want to be fruitful today, let me give you a few things to consider. The first thing that you need to do is protect the seeds. Protect the seeds. Scripture tells us that Noah planted a vineyard. But then that made me wonder, where did he get the seeds? We just read these things. Like he just went to Home Depot and picked up a, or to the local nursery. Where did he get the seeds to plant that? They didn't just fall from the sky. 
There were only two options, I think. Perhaps, first option is that he found a vine somewhere and took seeds from it. As we read the story, we'll see that vegetation existed on the earth when Noah arrived. We know that because when the dove went out, he brought back a ripe uh, olive branch in its mouth, which told us that vegetation had existed. So it's, it's a likely scenario that Noah could have went out and come across some, some vines somewhere growing in the wild and, and took those vines. And I can draw a spiritual application right there and tell you that no matter where you land in God's will, he's already started a harvest. Amen. He's already deposited a portion of what you need to thrive wherever you it is that you land. It's helpful for me in my faith. I don't know if this does anything for you, but it's helpful for me to know that every place I go, God's already been there. Oh, man, I, I don't know how this. Oh, man, I don't know if this is jiving with you, but it, it does something to my faith to know that there's not a place in this world I can go that the spirit of God has not already gone before me. And so when I arrive, wherever that place is, whether it's a financial arrival, a spiritual arrival, a relational, no matter where I arrive, it's helpful for me to know that God has already in some measure prepared some things for me. That when I get there, it's not like I'm starting with nothing. Even if I got a little something, a little something with God is better than a lot of something without him. I'd rather, come on now, I'd rather have a little bit Amen. Just a grain of a mustard seed can move mountains. That's all God needs. I'm going to say that's all he needs. And so we see that Noah, he might have, he might have. I'm just using conjecture here. Let's use our imagination. He might have done that. It's, a, it's conceivable to think that Noah went out there and found these seeds. Noah's world was new, but it was not barren. God will never lead us to barrenness. Rather, in the words of David, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Amen. And when you're following God, he'll never lead you to a barren place. If Noah didn't find the seeds, that's one option. I think that's conceivable that he would have found them. But let's say that that's not what happened. Then the only other option would be that he took his seeds with him. He took his seeds onto the ark and he stored them for this moment. Man, I can preach on both options today. Because what it tells me about Noah, if this is what he did, this is also conceivable is that he took the seeds that existed pre-flood and stored them because the Bible says that he brought all the food onto the ark, right? Well, perhaps after they ate those seeds, after they ate those fruits or those vegetables that they, can, they took the seeds from those things and they said, let's, let's make a seed supply here, knowing that when they stepped into the new world, they were going to have to replant what it is. Are you replanting the blessings that God has placed in your life? He brought these seeds with him, perhaps. And again, another spiritual analogy comes to the surface here. And I can tell you this, that every word from God is a seed. 
a seed of faith that you can carry. If this is what Noah did when he entered the ark and he took the seeds with him from the old world, from the prior blessings of God, then it tells us that every word that God speaks into our life, even if we don't need it in this moment, even if we don't need it right now, you better hold on to the seed that God gives you because even if you don't need it today, you might need it tomorrow and at least you've got some seed in your life. Amen. Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of the Lord. Can I tell you, you need preaching in your life. I know we live in a world that says, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if I, people say, I don't know if I need a preacher. I don't know if I need to hear preach. I don't know if I need to go to church. No, 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 no. You need preaching. And you need to silence every voice that comes against that. You need preaching. How shall they hear, the Bible says, unless a preacher? We need preaching. And if without preaching, how are we ever going to grow? Because with the preaching of the word, what we are doing. Let me tell you something about this. What we are doing right now on Sundays, we're not just having church. This is a seed dispensary. We're handing out seeds today. And these seeds, uh, whether you need them now or whether you need them tomorrow, you need to collect all those seeds that you can. Oh, my God. Somebody say amen. And he took all of those seeds, perhaps. And then when he stepped into this new world, he had the seeds that he needed. Now, we can't say for sure how Noah came across these seed grapes. So I'm not going to turn any of these points into a doctrine because we don't know for sure. But we know that what he had, he did not waste. What he had, he did not lose them. He protected them. He said, these seeds are precious. These seeds are valuable. These seeds are worth something to me. I need to protect these seeds and guard them like Fort Knox, you know, and not let anything to rob me of these seeds. I need to have my eye on the seeds. I need to make sure that the seeds don't slip through the cracks somewhere. I need to make sure that I've got seed. And I want to ask somebody today before I move on to my next point, what does your seed supply look like? Is it full or is it empty? Because if there's one thing the devil wants to do, he wants to rob you of that seed. He does not, you can never plant unless you have a seed. And we've got people that are trying to plant without seed. And those that try to plant without seeds, you're not going to produce a harvest. You're just going to produce nothing but smoke and mirrors. You're just going to produce, uh, uh, you know, vain imaginations and, and hopeful thinking and wishful thinking. No, God didn't bring us into the kingdom just to be wishful thinkers. God brought us into the kingdom that we might possess uh, and we might occupy that which belongs to us. Amen, somebody. And if the enemy wants to do anything, he wants to rob us of those seeds. Uh, I remind you of the parable of the sower and how the birds, which represent uh, the enemy, came in to rob uh, the seed from the ground. And if you're not careful, if you don't protect the seed and guard the seed and look after the seed, the birds of this world, the enemies of our life will come and pluck those seeds out of our life. So when the word of God goes forward, you got to protect that word and cherish that word and hide that word in your heart and said, I'm going to hold. How many of you today are holding on to a word from God? Oh, come on. I said, how many of you today are holding on to a word? How many of you got a word from God that you're holding on to? Come on, somebody say amen today. 
That's right. And you've got to have faith when you look at the seed because the seed doesn't look like much when you're looking at it. You have to have vision. Someone say vision. You've got to have vision. You have to see the vineyard in the seed. You have to see the vineyard. You got to see the potential. And so don't curse your tomorrow based on the status of your seed today. Don't throw away tomorrow because your seed looks, my God, I feel like talking to somebody. Don't throw away tomorrow. Don't throw away godly living. Don't throw away faith. Don't throw away obedience. Don't throw away, come on, don't throw away promises. Don't throw away these things because your current seed looks small and minuscule and insignificant. No, the devil is a liar. He wants to rob you of that seed because in that seed is a harvest. In that seed is potential. In that seed is revival. Oh, I feel something in the Holy Ghost. I got a seed from God and I'm believing that when I plant that seed, something is going to happen. Am I preaching all right today? Amen. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying today? So don't judge my seeds because you don't know that in this seed is a harvest. And the second thing, that if after you protect the seed, you need to plant the seed. Don't just hold because we got people that just hold on to their seed and then they never plant them. I don't know what the earth looked like after the flood. But I have visited places. I have visited places after floods. I went myself after Hurricane Harvey in Houston. I went to visit friends of mine who's lost everything in the rain and in the flood over there. I walked through their houses. I saw the damage that the flood did, not just to the inside of the house, but of course, all of the the environment around them. And, And I could tell you that things are messy after a flood. I said, things are messy sometimes. They're messy after a flood. You know what floods do? Floods change the landscape. They changed the land. When I was driving down the streets of Houston, I, I, I saw trees where they shouldn't have been. I saw couches where they shouldn't have been. I saw tires and things. Uh, everything was kind of out of order. The landscape looked different. The flood was over. But, but even after the flood, even after our trials, even after God brings us to, there's still some cleanup that has to be done. Ah, oh, amen, somebody. You know why? Because things get moved around. Stuff isn't where it's supposed to be, where it used to be. And thus, when Noah, when he stepped off of the ark, what he saw was a new world, but it was uncultivated. It was unrefined. It wasn't ready yet for this harvest. And so what he had to do, like the verse I read, is he had to cultivate. Someone say cultivate. Come on, say it again. Say cultivate. You better learn how to cultivate. And in cultivation, we see this is where people tend to kind of um, drop out of the picture. This is where this is where it's going to require work to get done. God may have brought us out of miraculously through the flood. But then when we come to a place of new beginnings, we have to learn how to cultivate. Someone say cultivate. Yeah, I really need to talk about cultivation lest we think that the way to the promise is just, you know, just a quick overnight process. It's not. It's not. The way to a a healthy family, the way to a healthy marriage, the way through a healthy home and a healthy future and a blessed career and a blessed ministry, all the good things that God wants to do through through your life and in your life and bring to you through a harvest, they're not just going to happen at the snap of a finger. Come on now, somebody. 
They're not just going to happen just because uh, you got to learn how to cultivate. Because uh, when you come out of a flood, the landscape has changed. uh, And half of your frustration is caused uh, by how you're looking at things. You came through the trial and you thought everything was going to be made for you. Ah, man, it's going to get quiet now. Hallelujah. You thought it was all going to be set up. You thought it was just going to be waiting for you and just, you know, the table's already set, praise God. I mean, we like when that happens, right? The table's already set. Everything's already in order. It's nice showing up when things have already been prepared. Huh? That's right. Isn't that nice? You show up somewhere. Hey, man, everything's already done. All you got to do is partake and, and then you can head out, right? That's nice. But for the things that God is doing in our lives, amen, we got to learn how to cultivate. And sometimes your frustration is not over the fact that God hasn't moved because God has moved. It's that you don't recognize the form that God has moved. You're waiting for God to do your job. Oh, my Lord. I'm going to go back and watch this sermon all by myself. I like it that much. Huh? <laughs> How many of us are praying and asking God to do things that we have the power to do ourselves? Asking God to fix things, resolve things, get his hands dirty. No, God said, I've already done the heavy lifting. I already brought you out of the flood. And I brought you out of the flood so that you can learn how to work your faith in a different realm. How to get your hands in the soil and get back to doing what I called you to do. God, I just need you to fix that person over there and just deal with them. God say, no, that's why I gave you the Holy Ghost, so that you can be a peacemaker and go talk to that person, ask for forgiveness, figure out what's going on, and make it right. Now we're getting somewhere. God, I just, I just want that job, Lord. Just, just, just give it to me, huh? That's wonderful. All right. But what are you doing to prepare for that job? Why should God give you something you can't sustain? God, I want more. Everyone wants more. What have you done with less? You couldn't tithe on the last. Oh, wait, I better be careful. And you want God to bless you with. God just must be scratching his head sometimes. Noah, he, he, he had to change his mentality because all up to this point, he, he was just a survivor. He was living to keep his head above water. He was living to just stay, stay afloat. And you see, in order for Noah to plant, uh, he had to stop thinking like a sailor and start thinking like a farmer. On the boat. You know what he did? He floated for a living. You know the the cool thing about being on a boat like Noah? You just go wherever the wind takes you. You go wherever the doors open. Mm, I'm going to get into some things right now. You know that Noah's boat didn't even have a sail on it? He didn't even have a rudder on it. It literally went wherever the current took it. And there are times in life, I get it, where we just go wherever the current is going to take us. But you can't live your whole life like that. Oh, my God. You can't just go, well, whatever door opens, that must be it. Are you sure? 
Mm, my God. You got to get to a point now, like Noah did, he realized, I can't think like a boat dweller anymore. I can't think like a sailor. I got to start thinking like a farmer now. And sometimes that means creating something that wasn't there before. He had to change his mentality. While he was in the boat, it was, can I tell you something? It's the will of God until it's not. It was the will of God to get him through. And then it stopped being the will of God because he told Noah, get out of the boat. Plant, cultivate. It's time to to move on to greater things. It's time to see that harvest and produce this in your life. And so he had to change his mentality and pivot so that he can thrive. And I just want to just offer this for whatever it's worth. To somebody today, it could be that half your frustration could end today. I'm talking about in this service, half of your frustration could end if you would simply pivot from the mindset of a floater to the mindset of a farmer. Oh, my God. I'm going to help somebody. Half your frustration could be solved. If you just change the way you're looking at your life and the things, that, how they are happening and what's going on, and say, maybe God's trying to teach me a new trick. Huh? Maybe God's trying to develop me in a new way. Maybe God's trying to stretch my faith and move me in an area that I may not be comfortable with, but I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to grow where I'm planted. Come on, somebody give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. You got to learn how to adapt. Someone say adapt. You know what happens if you don't adapt, you end up dying. You got to learn to adapt. There's a big difference between adapting and compromising. We're not talking about compromising. But there's nothing wrong with adapting to, to where God has you right now. What sustained you in the last season? I'll be just a few more moments. Amen. Almost done with my introduction here. Getting you all nervous. But I have plans at, at, at four. I know, we're going to help you out right now. Listen, what sustains you in the, in the last season may not work in this season. I wrote this down, and, I, and, I, and it really just spoke to me. Don't get caught trying to sail through something you're supposed to plow. The flood is over. Someone say, the flood is over. Now it's time to plow. Now it's time to plant. Get your hands dirty. Some of you in your spiritual lives have never got dirt under your fingernails. It's messy there. It's dirty there. You know, some people have got no blisters on their spiritual hands. You know, me and my brother, we used to have this, this saying that we would call certain Christians in the church. We will call them blister Christians. You know what a blister Christian is? How many of you know what a blister is huh? when you're working? It shows up after the work's already been done. I'm going to let you think about that one for a moment. Blister Christians show up when the work is done. You need to earn your own blister. You need to get your own blisters. You know, don't try to piggyback off of someone else's work. Get your own blisters. Get your own hands involved in the work of God. Get your own hands involved in the ministries that are happening in this church. Uh, Oh, my Lord. Open up your own uh, life. Open up your own home. Open up your own world, your own family, your own works. Uh, open, Open yourself up. Get your own hands involved in what God is trying to do so that you can experience the harvest. How many of you want the harvest uh, that God has for you? How many of you want to see a greater 
manifestation of God in your life. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah today. Before I move on to my final point and wrap this thing up, I want you to understand that the, 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 the seeds that you plant are so important. And so what I would encourage you to do is plant like to, uh, in accordance to what you're believing God's going to do in your life. Plant like you're believing for a great harvest. This is what the word says. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who, so help me out, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God said, I will bless you in proportion to how you sow. So if you want to experience more, if you want to experience a bountiful harvest, then sow bountifully. And if you sow bountifully, I will show you that I will give you more than just a little patch. Look, I don't know about you, but I want more than just a little courtyard garden. I want more than just a backyard garden. I want a whole field. I want a whole, my God, I want it. Not for me, for my own selfish purposes. I want it for the glory of God. I want it for my children. Come on. I want it for those souls that are out there. And I invite the piano player to come on. Now, let me give you the final thing. Is that is, we have to wait for harvest. Someone say, wait for harvest. The hardest part about everything I have preached today is not simply the carrying of the seeds. It's not just uh, the protecting of the seeds and the planting of the seeds, but it's waiting for the harvest. Noah had to be patient in order to see the fruits of his labor. He had to wait for his vineyard to produce. We don't know how long he had to wait, but I would imagine that he had to wait the same amount of time that every vine dresser, every husbandman, every farmer, harvester had to wait because God promised there's going to be, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, planting and harvest, cold and heat. So God said, look, I'm not going to fast track you. You're going to be subject to the seasons. Someone say seasons. So you need to plant in this season what you hope to eat in that season. Oh, man, I got to say that again. You need to plant in this season what you hope to eat in that season. But between here and then, there's a period of time that we have to wait on God. Can I tell you, nothing good grows overnight. I'm skeptical of things that grow overnight. How about you? Huh? I'm skeptical of things that just from one day to the next is like, wow, it's all, you know, grown. Because typically that which grows quick doesn't grow. That which usually grows too quick, too fast, typically doesn't last. And if I remember, Jesus calls us to bear fruit and fruit that remains. God. God is bringing someone today into that place. You're in a new beginning. 
You're in a new star. You're in a new world. Maybe your whole life or maybe just one aspect of your life. But this is what God wants me to encourage somebody with. You need to hold on until you see your harvest. You got to hold on until you see the fulfillment. Hold on, Noah. You're doing it the first time, Noah. You're the first farmer in the new world. God's calling some of you to, to do some things that maybe have never been done before. Some things that you've never even seen modeled before. You're venturing into places that you've never been before. Trusting God for things you've never seen before. Come on now, somebody. And the Lord wants you to know that when you plant those seeds, you've got to hold on and wait for the fulfillment to come. It's not going to come overnight. It's not going to come right away. But if you keep on trusting in him and you keep on believing in him, oh, hallelujah, and you keep on waiting on him, I know this, Paul said, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap. Everyone say reap. Oh, come on, say it again. Say reap. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. Would you stand with me this afternoon today? Oh, my Lord. Waiting is the hardest part. And all that you've got to do is wait and not lose heart. Wait, and I'm talking to somebody today that might be losing heart. Uh, somebody that might be losing patience. Uh, you're, not, you're losing patience. You're losing heart. You're wondering, God, when are you going to do it? When is it going to happen? Can I tell you that God's not moving on your timetable? He's moving on His. There is an appointed time. I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. I just feel a. We're at a very sacred and holy moment right now in this service. Not because it's me standing behind this pulpit. Not because the music is just right, but because the word has gone forth from the mouth of God. And God. Whew, God is trying to get you to see what has always been there. Some of you, as I minister right now, if you can keep your eyes closed for a moment as I minister, some of you have given up silently, privately given up on things. Some of you have been struggling and wrestling with the delay of your harvest. You think at times that God has forgotten about you. You think at times that it's possibly never going to come. You think at times that maybe his blessings passed you by. But the Lord sent me here today to remind you that he did not bring you through everything he did. Mm. He did not bring you through the flood. Write your name in the book of life. Wash your sins away. Fill you with his spirit. Sanctify you and give you a name. He didn't do all of those things just so that you can stay where you are. He didn't do all of those things so that you would be fruitless and barren. Oh, no, God brought you through those things, kept you Mm, sustained you 
healed you, mm, saved you, so that you would produce a harvest in due season. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I know I'm talking to somebody right now. You just got to begin to respond to what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking into your spirit right now. Oh, my, my, God said, I didn't bring you all this way. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Uh, to leave you high and dry. Oh, my love. But I brought you to show you that you would see the goodness. Oh, my Lord. David said, I would have given up. <laughs> he said, I would have given up unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I've come to tell you that God's got a living land for you. God's got a harvest for you. Shalom,